Hey, Jub. I'm Gen. Hi. Hey, Jub. I'm not Jub. Hey, Jub. You just gonna you just gonna keep doing that? Hey. Yeah. Hey, Jub. Yes. Hi. What's up? Hey, Gen. Yeah, that's me. Hey, man, my fucking knee hurts. Do you know why my knee hurts? No. Okay, like, can you help me figure out why my knee hurts? No. No? What? What? Why? I don't know. Just like throw something out there. Why would my knee hurt? Uh. Hmm. Now help me out here. How did how did I hurt my knee? My my left knee hurts. What did I do to it? You probably like. I don't know. Help me out. Come on. Knee and too many people in Yakuza. You think so? Like, like vicariously through that, it just hurt my yeah. Own knee? Just the sheer amount is affecting you as a person because you, you've played all the Yakuza games. Oh, that's for you. Got anything else? No. No, that's it. Yeah. And nothing. Nothing more ridiculous. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I don't know what's happening. To be fair. Oh, I just bumped my knee. Oh, okay. That's it. This is your intro to the show. Yeah. <sighs> Where's that noose? <laughs> Where's that noose at? I left the noose laying around here somewhere for occasions such as these. <laughs> Where is the noose? Where is it? To the Gannon Chubb Show. That's Gan. Hey, what up? It's that guy named Gan. I guess we're doing a musical episode. And I wonder how long we will keep this up. Probably not for long. Yeah, that's it. I'm Jub. That's Jub. <laughs> He's the other guy on the show that has both of our names in it. Yeah. That's it. That's the show. Good night, everybody. So today we're going to talk about Termagator 3. Termagator? Termagator 3. I'd rather 3. watch Termagator. I'm, I'm also going to explain to you why you know you still aren't playing the Yakuza games. Why you fucking should, you hack! As I talk about Judgment. And oh, we're getting to something else. No, I know. I'll talk about something, I'm sure. We'll, we'll, we'll get around a little bit. Do you just want to talk about Judgment that I will, bad? I'll go right into it, yeah. Talk sure. about Judgment. So yeah, Judgment came out, which, if, for those of you who don't know, is the next game by the Yakuza Studio, or RGG Studio, as people like to call them now. Is that their actual name? Yeah. Okay. That, that's their abbreviated name. Alright. RGG Studio. What does RGG stand for? It's, uh, I, I don't want to script the Japanese pronunciation, but it's literally Yakuza. <laughs> Okay, okay. But, well, uh, actually, it is literally Yakuza from right, what I hear. Yeah. Like, that's how they make those games. They just go talk, to, they hang out with the Yakuza, and they're like, oh, this is dope. And then they make the games. No. Am I wrong about that? Not necessarily. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm saying the, like, take out all the details version. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. No, apparently a lot of the, like, the stories in the game come from, like, the game's director just, like, used to hang out in bars every day. And a lot of the stories in this game are, like, exaggerated versions of stories he heard from other people. So there's a real-life Kiryu somewhere out there? I guess. A real-life Majima? Oh, that's fucking terrifying. Like, based off of somebody he heard a story from, I guess. Kiryu-chan! I really hope that guy's not real. That's terrifying. 
he talks like that and slices up people. No, please don't actually have a real person <laughs> people like Majima does. Uh. So Judgment came out, and fundamentally, it is a Yakuza game through and through. It has a lot of the same mechanics. It's running on the same engine. Uh, it's a little different, though. The first obvious, obvious glaring difference is it's not a Yakuza game. It has realistically nothing to do with the Yakuza games. Uh, it is its own standalone story about a ex-lawyer turned private eye who gets sucked into a serial murder case which he decides to investigate on his own. And the story kind of blows up and, you know, turns into something greater from there. It's really cool. Best way I could describe it is it's those Yakuza games mixed with Phoenix Wright. Now, there might be some of you out there like, what the fuck's Yakuza? And you should be ashamed of yourself. Yakuza is one of the greatest video game series of this generation, starting with Yakuza 0 that came out in the PlayStation 4. It's been utterly consistent since last generation as some of the most fun, most ridiculous, and actually really enthralling open-world beat-em-up games, which is a genre that's not so much around anymore, and is started making a comeback lately, but this has kind of kept that blood alive in, like, a modern take. Okay. And that's that's what I love about all of these games so much, is they feel like what River City Ransom would become, what it should become, like, the natural evolution. It's become this, this game about a bigger city that you could travel through at your own will and have stuff to do and people to beat up. It makes sense to me. And then you put it behind this, like, this gangster, Yakuza-esque storyline, and it's really cool. Uh, top that off with a bunch of great characters and a bunch of really ridiculous side stories, and you have Yakuza, and it's great. And all of you should play it, and the fact that none of you have still played it, it makes me ashamed as a human being, and you should be ashamed of yourselves, too. Now you're like, but just the job. Just be you judgmental prick. But job, there's a problem. There's like seven of these games. Where do I start? Oh, that's that's convenient. Um, start with Judgment actually, because it just came out, and it uh, has nothing to do with these games. And if that, and if that system grips you, you should have no problem just going back and playing through those other games. It'll feel like a breeze to you because you'll be so enthralled if you get enthralled like I did, starting way back with Yakuza Four, which is the first one I played. Yeah, I, I think this is a really good move for them to oh, yeah. do a game that's uh, not Yakuza Seven. Apparently but clearly, they, they are learning from all of their gameplay mechanics that they've been developing over the years and refined. Because really, they're all very similar games in terms of gameplay. Yeah, each of them usually adds something new. Uh, this game probably adds the most like new actual mechanics. Yes, but at its heart, it's still just beating yeah, that, dudes in the street. Right. At, at, yeah. that's, at its core, that's what it is. It's still a Yakuza game. It has its, its really amazing detailed graphics. It's really fluid, awesome combat, it's really good story, awesome, likable characters. All of that is still there, it's just a new story following a new character. And I'm glad it's happening, because as much as I absolutely love Kiryu and his story, which I think is one of the greatest stories in games, period, about just the tragic fucking life he lives where he keeps trying to escape the Yakuza and gets pulled right back in, I'm glad it's finally over. Okay. His, his story has ended with Yakuza 6. The, the studio themselves confirmed that. They're not going back to Kiryu. He's done. Now, if they're going to make more Yakuza games, I don't know. They might just not. They might just keep making stuff like Judgment. Yeah, I guess they could. I mean, there are other characters in the Yakuza series. They could oh, do yeah. all kinds There's of stuff. Oh, yeah. There's a ton of them. But, uh, I mean, I don't know what happens in 6, so I can't really comment on 
what they actually can do or not. But I assume they'll go back to some stuff eventually. But the, the cool thing about Judgment is that it is a standalone it, in a lot of ways. Like, there's not even references. No, the only references you have is, like, to the main... The, the, obviously, the city is the same place. I thought that's something I forgot to bring up. You're playing in the same city that you play in all the Yakuza games, Kamurocho. They're never going to abandon this city, I don't think. Which is great, because they spent all of these years, like, refining it and making it into, like, a living, breathing city. One that, since I've spent, what, the better half of, what, six years playing... Yeah. And I, I know where streets are. Like... No, I think that makes it cool. Yeah. Like, no, these games awesome. remain relevant despite the fact that it is the same city every time. They give you new they, stuff to do in them. They continuously refine. Like, I think that a lot of open-world games kind of make this mistake where they're like, we got to have a new city, and it got to be bigger and better every single time we make a game. And, like, yeah, some companies can nail that and keep getting bigger and better as they go, like Rockstar. But I think something to really take a look at is how the Yakuza team does it. Which is kind of like it lets you lead a more annualized existence because you're able to focus a lot more in on the story when you do shit like this. Yeah, you can focus more on the story, refining gameplay mechanics, and like side stuff to do, which makes the world a lot more believable. Also, just watching, because all the Yakuza games take place like basically the year they came out, besides yeah. Zero and the Kiwami remakes. Zero's a flashback to the 80s. Right, and then the Kiwami remakes are remakes of games that came out they in the They come 2000s. out when they came out in the, on right. the PS2 era, yeah. So, but then you have the, these later games, they're all, their mindset going into it is, right, what would this fictional city look like in 20, 2018? Which is technically when Judgment came out in Japan. So the setting is Kamurocho, Japan in 2018. So, all right, what would this big Tokyo city look like in 2018? And then they build it around that, and they change and evolve the city around that. And it's really cool. I, I like that a lot. It, it makes it feel like it's a city you're, like, watching change. Yeah. As you're playing it over the years. Yeah, right at the beginning of the game, there was there was a thing. It's like, oh, hey, go to Pink Street. And then there's a blip for it on your map. I ignored it and just walked to Pink Street because I knew where it was. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> See, that is something that's a real advantage of it being the same city every time. Yeah, people who play it for a long time know where everything is. You know, it's something that you, like, in in some, like, not as big open world games, you can kind of get eventually. Like, uh, I think a good example of this is, like, the PS2 GTAs. You can eventually know where shit is. Yeah, because they're not that big. When they're, like, go to the Malibu club... You're like, oh, I know where that is. But then in the new ones, like in, in new, I say new, but <laughs> in, like in like four time. and five, there's a GPS for a reason. Because you ain't going to know where the hell you're going at all. Oh, it's too big. But I think that that's like, while it's not necessarily a detriment to those games, it does have a cool kind of result when like you know where to go in a game. Yeah. That's neat. I like that, and I'm glad that they keep using the same cities. Obviously, they experiment with other little areas and stuff, too. Yeah, th but... there's always, like, uh, in all of these games, there's, like, little different areas you can, like, take a ca taxi cab to. Yakuza 6 just has a whole second city. Zero has a second city. Yeah, so does Zero, yeah. Which, that's the that's the city in uh, Yakuza 2. Is that second city in Yakuza 0? Same city right, in Yakuza okay. 2. Alright, there you so go. So they would take that and remake that city, too, which helped for Kiwami 2 when that came out. Judgment is super fascinating. The story is mysterious, and I 
enjoy it a lot so far. The characters are all really cool. The main two characters who uh, run this private eye place are great. They both have really fun, interesting personalities. The side characters have all been fun. There is, uh, there is drone racing in this game. Yes! I did, a, <laughs> I, I did one of the Grand Prix for it. As like a Mario Kart-esque Grand Prix. So do you actually control the drone? Oh, yeah. Okay, so this is already 100% better than a lot of the minigames they've had involving stuff like that. Yeah, like they had the RC car racing in the in Zero, but like you didn't really control you it. You did not control your car. You just like tapped X to encourage your car to go or something like that. Right. Which in, is a weird thing. Yeah, it was strange. In this one, you have full like 360 range of motion control over this drone. Granted, there was good stuff in that quest because... Oh, God, it's so this funny. This mafia man talking to these slot car racer people <laughs> it's so funny. was just insane. Yakuza is a trip. It's a treasure. I gotta really. get more into it. I think this is a good intro point to me. Either this or the Fist of the North Star game, which is a Yakuza game that's a Fist of the North Star game. Yeah, it's basically that as well. Because that game's also got its own differences. These games are wild. But this one got the same city, so I can, you know, familiarize myself and then just plop into Zero, and or any of them. Yeah. And uh, I'm looking forward to that. I, I just recommend that a lot of people go through this series. People who like open-world games. People who like games with good stories. Like, the gameplay isn't that challenging. And that's, that's something that I actually really enjoy about it, is I can really chill out when I play the Yakuza games. Because the, the gameplay is never that hard. It's just, you have two different attack buttons, plus a grab button, and that's it. Yeah, it's not overly complicated. It, no, it knows it's super what it easy. Yeah. And that's all I need. I don't need anything super complicated. You can get more complicated with it, with all the different abilities you can unlock and stuff, but it's not necessary. You could beat the whole game without, like, mastering any of the other abilities that you learn. You could just hit people and win. Just make sure you buy health items, and you're good. And that's it. And that's fine. It's super chill. It doesn't mm. need to be crazy hard. I don't need it to be. I'm in, I'm in these games more for the story anyway. And the dumb side shit to do. Yeah. Like pinball. Pinball. Oh, I got so distracted with crane games and Yakuza 0. I think I got everything out of the crane. Dude, there's... <laughs> I, was, I was messing around with the UFO catchers. Because they're, they're, in every Yakuza game, there's a big old Sega arcade, right? Right. And they all have a bunch of... They all have different games that I'm free to play. And they always have UFO catchers. Which is like crane games. Same yes. thing. They always have different fucking little little stuff things for you to grab. In this game, there's like a weird looking animal thing that's like also a die. Like a six-sided die. Okay. And it's fucking hilarious. They're impossible to fucking grab. So I was sitting there and just dumping my money into this fucking UFO catcher trying to get this thing. And I finally did. For To what end? None. I can't do anything with that. Hey, man. Sometimes you gotta waste all your money on a claw machine. But what are you gonna do? Something super cool they did in that game is uh, there is a there is a like a uh, rail shooter type House of the Dead esque arcade game in there called Camaro of the Dead. And oh, what it I did, heard you talk about yeah, this, it yeah. takes assets from the from a spinoff Yakuza game called Yakuza Dead Souls, which came out in the PS3, and it's not a very good game. One of the only bad games they've ever made, right? Yeah, it's, it's yeah. There's only a few, and that's one of them. I don't like it at all. Some people like it. I don't understand how. Could you just, like, shoot zombies as characters from Yakuza? I'm like, that's not why I'm like, here. Like, are you Kiryu in that game? You can be, yeah. Okay. The Kiryu and Majima and a few characters from Yakuza 4. Weird. But it, it's just, like, stupid. Did I that even like get it. localized? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, oh. that's out on PS3. Oh, okay. 
I just I never bought it because I don't care for it. All right. I played Weird. once and I was like, nope. Is it like an alternate reality kind of yeah. thing? So it's like Undead Nightmare. Right. Okay. Except way worse. Which, well, okay, Undead Nightmare is some of the best DLC ever made. Yeah. They need to make another one with the high-definition Red Dead Redemption 2. That would be the best shit ever. Yeah, I'd love oh that. Oh, my God. But yeah, what they did is they took those assets and they put them in this, in this first-person rail shooter game. It's actually... It turned what uh, what some stuff from a pretty crappy game is into something really fun. <laughs> and maybe what Yakuza Dead Souls should have been all along is like an arcade game or something. Not a whole game either. <laughs> yeah, not a whole PlayStation 3 game that nobody cared about. Yes. And I thought that was really cool. These games are not easy to 100%. No. None of them are, but I don't think it's necessary. Yeah, I gotta kind of alter how I approach them, because that's why I ultimately stopped playing Zero. After a while, I was just trying to do... Too much shit. Yeah, stop checking shit off. Just experience, just experience and enjoy the story. Yeah, so I'm gonna do that. That that's all it's really about. Play now. Play a lot of those sub stories because those are fun. No, like the game does have good side content. And it does justify its own existence as being a giant, really huge game with a yeah. lot of stuff to do in it. But I, I don't think you have to get distracted by it or feel overwhelmed by it. No, not at all. Do it in your own leisure, or don't do it at all. It doesn't matter. I just tend to do that just because of how I am, but right. that's my problem, not anybody else's. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I did all the sub-stories in Yakuza 0. I didn't do the full completion list, because that's just fucking bullshit. That's a lot of shit. Yeah, it's like, I, I recommend doing, the, you don't have to do all of them, because some of them are kind of mad, but do like a good chunk of the sub-stories, because those are always fun. There's activities that are fun. Oh yeah, like knows. the RC car shit, but those all have... The dancing, the karaoke. Yeah. A lot of those fun... Side activities have sub stories kind of like woven into them. Yeah. So it kind of if you want to do those, it'll make it'll make you do all the different activities in the city. Mm-hmm. There's even one for Mahjong, which Mahjong's really hard to play. Yeah, I, I yeah that was another thing that I got distracted with. I was like, how do I even get all the achievements in these games that I don't know how to play, like Mahjong? To learn online. Yeah, Mahjong is really hard to learn for me because I don't write Japanese. Yeah, so you have you know, to like use. I don't a guide. know what all those symbols mean all the time. I used a guide online. I just okay. looked up a mahjong guide and like how to play thing, and I just kept it up while I was playing. Makes and sense. Helped out. Makes sense. Because otherwise, like it's fucking. If you, if you're not like fluent with how mahjong works or with like some kind of Japanese, it's really hard. Hmm. So it's worth it just to just to get a guide for yourself. Thankfully, that's the only game that has a mahjong sub story. Right. And the other ones, it's still there, but it's just entirely optional. There's also, like, casino sub-stories. There's, there's some for, like, playing blackjack and stuff like that, which is great. Now, that I'll always play in every game that it's in. Yeah. Blackjack's fun. Yeah. There's, there's a whole, uh... In the judgment, I just walked into an underground casino and started playing some blackjack. It was fun. Yeet. Also, <laughs> interesting thing about judgment, all the way up until this point, besides the first Yakuza game, uh, all of these games have just been subbed from Japanese to English. Judgment... Uh, except for the first one, yeah. Yeah. Which had some great voice actors in it. Mark Hamill was Majima. Yeah, and then some not so great. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that was just a product of the time. Now we we can like we can make a good dub, and I yeah. think they've done so here. Oh yeah, from what I've heard the the English voice acting is fantastic in Judgment. Uh, the Yakuza, the RGG Studios English division has always been amazing at their localization. Yes, they always done a fantastic job at making things like really palatable in English and like nothing really truly missed which is well, amazing while still flavoring it to be more American uh, yes um 
What's the weird character in this game? Ass Ketchum. Yeah, I haven't met Ass Ketchum yet, but that I heard about it. That's a character in this game, apparently. That is purely a product of the English localization. Yes. So. <laughs> they, do a, they do a fantastic job. Props to you guys for that. I love it. Uh, but because of that, through that, as long as you get some great voice actors, the dub will, in turn, be fantastic. And I think that's what they've done here. I turned on... You have the option when you first start the game if you want to do Japanese with subtitles or English. And I turned on the English with full expectation that about an hour or two in the game I was just going to turn it off. And I refuse to okay. turn it off. It is fantastic in English. I want to play the whole game in English. Well, that's cool. Which is not something I would have expected because I'm so comfortable playing all these games in Japanese. I got you. And it, it, threw, it threw me for a loop. I was, I was really surprised and impressed. Also, the game has a fucking awesome aesthetic. It's fucking like the... The main intro, the main intro scene is like a bunch of smoke and like really cool. It's all making, really cool. Making smoking look cool in 2019. And they all fucking smoke at the game. Cigarettes. Cigarettes. Just gotta say it every time we talk about smoking. I realized that last week we talked about, or maybe it was the week before smoking. We we somehow refrained. Oh yeah, we talked about Sarah Connor. Cigarettes. Yeah, we talked about Sarah Connor needing to get. Yeah, her I don't cigarettes. know how we. I don't know how we talked about all that. Without yelling cigarettes, because that's become like a meme on our show at this point. That and like talking about Airbud and the Scorpion King. Those are our primary memes. Those are our point. primary memes. Yeah, and Piss Jar. That's another one. Oh, man. I love uh, Piss Jar. But anyway, I haven't been playing a lot of games that are new. <laughs> what? You? Not surprised. <laughs> I am about to buy Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled. Yeah, I'm excited. Did I'm, I say I'm a, the name right? Yeah, you did. I'm going to play it with you. Uh, I'm excited to play that game. It actually looks good. The only thing that looks bad are the loading times, which are better on PS4 than they are on the Switch, but they're pretty long. Yeah, but I that doesn't bother me too much. I, I don't f- care. The game looks great. I feel like you just should buy that game on the PS4. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, well, teach I, their own. But... I definitely am, because if you do buy it on the PS4, there's like you get uh, retro... Crash skin and a couple other characters, and they oh, look okay. like the PS1 graphics. So, I love that kind of shit. I laughed my ass off when uh, Resident Evil 2 had those skins. Oh, those are fucking hilarious. Those are hilarious. Fucking Polygon Leon. Oof. Oh god, uh, <laughs> shit's funny. Um, I love when games do that. Ever since uh, I, I think one of the first ones to do that was like Ground Zeroes had the MGS1 yeah. snake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, if you go back further than that, Tony Hawk's Underground 2. Has Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 Tony Hawk you can play as, but even Tony Hawk's Underground 2 looks like bad graphics at this point, so it, it just blends in. Fuck it. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> Obviously, it, it doesn't look that bad, but yeah. No. I want to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart. I made this list a while ago. Uh oh. But I'll go into it here. What do we got? Because why not? What What is a podcast if you don't go through a numbered list? Oh, shit. What do you got? What's a your numbered list? list? Uh. I've been replaying Banjo-Kazooie, and I'm about to replay Banjo-Tooie. Right. And uh, out of my memory, you know, I'm, I believe I'm a, an authority <laughs> on these games. I, I would give it to you. Um, I'm just trying to think of, like, what, le- like, there's so many different cool worlds in those games. What are the good ones, and what are the not-so-good ones? And I have a ranked list here of all the worlds from those two games, because... Those are the ones that, th- these are the two platformer games that I, like, probably have the most, like, reverence for 
out of anything except for maybe Mario 64 and uh, Glover. I'm just kidding. Not Glover. Don't talk about Glover. Glover's bad. I didn't know that Glover on like on the PS One's like different. We figured that uh, out the other day. Yeah, isn't that weird? I, I don't. Uh, I think a lot of what makes Glover memorable is specifically the stuff that's exclusive to the N sixty four version. Yeah, the opening is very scary and spooky because you got the evil Glove Man laugh, and then you're in like a desolate wasteland instead of a happy one. Uh, and also. Instead of just a question mark that gives you the, the tips, it's a literal guy named Mr. Tip. Right. And that's memorable because it's stupid. Yeah. But anyway... In the PS1 version, it's like it just kind of throws you in. I think more than any other N64 PS1 era platformer, Banjo had unique worlds that all have a different aesthetic... And all fill out the overall tone of the game very well. Yeah, I think the only uh, one that's, that could, that's similar is Mario 64. You can argue that Mario 64 is similar, but a lot of the worlds fit a theme instead of all feeling like the same thing. There's ones that are more memorable than others, like uh, the fucking... The clock. That's very memorable. Rainbow Cruise is very memorable. Obviously, the first couple worlds are very memorable. But then there's a couple that just fit an overall theme. Like, there's a couple water levels. Yeah, that's those fair. are the water levels. There's there's a desert level. There's a fire level. Um, but they're all good. Mario sixty four is a fantastic game. Don't one, get me wrong. One of the best. Maybe I'll rank those levels one day. But for now, I'm just gonna rank both Banjo Kazooie and Banjo Tooie's worlds. I think there's like uh, it, not counting the hub worlds. There is uh, seventeen. I think. Okay. I'll check real quick. What do you got? 17, 16, 17, 17 worlds. 26. Um, no, just 17. 25. We are not counting nuts and bolts because who does? 39. 17, though. 16. Numbers! <laughs> uh, should I go from good to bad? I, I do want to preface this by saying that I love both of these games with all my heart. And when I say a level is bad, I don't mean it's, like, terrible. I just mean comparatively it's terrible. I get it, okay. Like, it's not actually terrible. It's just, like, next to these great, great, great levels, it doesn't shine nearly as hard. I guess we'll go up, aesthetically. The ranked overall last is Cloud Cuckoo Land from Banjo-Tooie. <sighs> yeah, I know about this place. This level sucks. Yeah. I actually kind of actively dislike it. I can still have a lot of fun here, but I, I think... There's a key difference between the Tui worlds and the Kazooie worlds, and the Tui and the difference is that the Tui worlds are so goddamn big. To kind of fix that, they introduced the warp pad mechanics, where like you know at important places in the level, there's a pad, and then you can warp straight to it. If you need to go to Mumbo's, if you need to go to Humbawumbas, <laughs> you just yeah. warp right there, you know. If you need to go to the entrance of the level and get the fuck out of this terrible level, you can go do it. But in Cloud Cuckoo Land, there's only two warp pads, whereas on most levels there's like five or something. It's the entrance and then the center cavern. And the center cavern kind of has like a billion exits that all go to different areas of the level. And it's a confusing mess. It's not very fun. It's hard to keep track of. And also just aesthetically... The only real design of this level is, it's fucking weird! Lol, so random! There's a trash can! There's a stinky cheese! There's a fitness instructor! 
Wii Fit Trainer? That no. Oh, okay. It is a man named Mr. Fit who is a, I think a antelope. No, not an antelope. I I don't know what he is. Ant-eater? Not a, not an antelope at all. Ant-eater? Not even close. Maybe he's like a fat anteater. Okay. I don't know. Uh, there's there's two mumbo huts and one of them got a cyborg mumbo in it that you gotta fight. That's probably the only part of this level I like. Actually, that's, dope. that's a good boss fight. But nothing really. Everything clashes on purpose, and everything is weird and doesn't fit an aesthetic because it's all the aesthetic is that it's weird. Right. It's just... And it kind of just all leads it to be just a mess. That like they it feels like they had a bunch of ideas and then not really a way to consolidate them. And maybe that was by design because they wanted a weird level. It, it makes it at the bottom of the list for me for sure. And also. It has the worst thing in any of these games, which is the clockwork mouse race. Oh, God. Which is break your N64 controller tier. Right. So fuck that level. I'm never doing that goddamn again until, like, you know, later this year when I play Banjo-Tooie again. Anyway. You madman. You fucking madman. <laughs> I, I mean, I, they, no, confirmed him, they confirmed my boy for Smash. I gotta pay respects once again. I'll just press F. <laughs> Number 16 is uh, Glitter Gulch Mine, also from Tui. I, I just didn't like uh, too much of it, aesthetically. It's a big old mine level with a big railroad track that goes around the whole level, and you can follow that everywhere. And there's like a prospector, and there's like a actual train. You can go inside, and you can fight old King Cole, and that's a good boss fight. But I don't know. It's just like, yeehaw, it's a mine. And I didn't care that much about it. That's, that's all. It's just not as interesting as some of the crazier locales. Like, it's just like, okay. Uh, right above that is Mayahem Temple, the first level from Tui. I think Kazooie does a much better job of making a good first impression. Oh, yeah, for uh, sure. Over Tui. Not that Tui's first level is a bad level. I just think that Mumbo's mountain isn't much higher than this, but it is iconic because it's like what you think of when you first think of playing Banjo-Kazooie. Like, what the early parts of the game are going to be. Yeah. Uh, and and that's just such a good level in terms of, like, teaching the player what they can do throughout this game. Like, your three most important moves, basically, you learn there. Uh, but Mayhem Temple is kind of just, like, one big path that leads up to the top, which is a temple, which is where the boss fight is. One of the many first-person segments in 2E is in there, and those aren't very good. They're okay, but the the areas themselves needed maps badly. Uh, they kind of have that early first-person shooter problem where you're just like, where the fuck do I go? Yeah. Oh, uh, a lot of games in that area have that problem. And I mean, like, I, a lot of the time you're just looking for a singular objective in those games, like Rare Wars first-person shooters. But uh, in Banjo, it's a collect-a-thon. <laughs> And you're looking for many of something, and it, it just becomes frustrating because it's like, where do I go? Where do I go find this thing? Where the hell am I? <laughs> That's my problem with 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 games like that. Is yeah. That it's just kind of aimless. Yeah. And like, I don't always need like some kind of sense of direction, but like, just anything would help. And those games, sometimes, especially when you start getting into deeper collecting, doesn't give you shit. Yeah, I can kind of see what you mean. Uh, it's like, fuck you, figure it out. Tui, Tui is a lot harder to find out where you're going than Kazooie. Uh, different kind of and game, that, really. That is the most recent one I played, so. <laughs> it's 
in the year 2000, recent. Uh, a little bit after that, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, right above that, I got Terry Dactyland, which, uh, A-plus naming that level. The execution is lacking. It's a very, very big area, and as soon as you know that it's, like, a dinosaur-themed level, like, you get excited. Uh, I think they pulled it off way better in, uh, another Rareware game, Conker's Bad Fur Day. Oh, yeah. Uh, that has an excellent dinosaur-themed area. God damn. That's some of my favorite shit in the entire game. Uh, some of the hardest shit in the game is there, though. That fucking fire surfboard yeah, segment. Yeah, that's, that's is, the worst is, part of that God, whole game. Uh, Conker's is so fucking hard at times. Love that game. Though. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's just like, there's it's few and far between the good stuff in this level, and it's really too big for its own good, and you will get lost, and you'll feel like you've spent hours looking for stuff with very little to gain from it. And that kind of sucks the fun out of it for me. Yeah, I kind of got a hard agree on that one. Uh, above it at the 13th spot, I got Mumbo's Mountain, which I already said. Uh, iconic. It's iconic, but there's not much else to it. It's a very simple level by design that is topped by every other level in Banjo-Kazooie that comes after it. Right. I only put it above Banjo-Tooie levels that frustrated me just because there were either directionless or just basic. Yeah. In my opinion. Um uh, but Banjo's a better game, so that should come as no surprise. I'd say, like, if you want to look at these in tiers, like, Cloud Cuckoo Land is, like, a what-the-fuck tier. And then, like, all the other levels I mentioned so far are, like, okay tier. But now we're at, like, good tier. So, we got Clanker's Cavern. Yeah. Clanker's Cavern is probably frustrating to a lot of people's memories because you have to go to the deep depths to free Clanker, and I'm sure many of people have died there trying to release clanker but once you get past that the level's actually quite interesting and there's a lot of stuff that you can do and it's fun clanker himself has many entrances and many things that move that take you to other areas and it's fun to explore and find all those things and it's just a unique idea for a level with like a living creature that you go inside uh, starting a weird trend in N64 games of going inside large fishes. Because uh, it happens multiple times. Jabu, jabu, big, big fish boy. <laughs> Above this, I got Gobi's Valley, which uh, I, I like a lot less than some banjo levels just because it just doesn't interest me as much. But there is fun stuff in it, and it gets a lot of points for the music. The music in Gobi's is a lot of fun. Above that, I got Grunty Industries from Tui. Grunty Industries is the hardest fucking level in any of these games. Yep. It's very frustrating, but aesthetically and comedically, it's great. I love how it's just, like, corporate satire, but, like, it within with the lens of a children's game on top of it. Like, it's nothing insane. But there's lots of fun stuff. Like, there's nuclear waste vats and, like, you know, OSHA violations everywhere. <laughs> but uh, square foot. Yeah, it's great. Um, but it, it for all of its charm, I guess, it loses a lot of points just because it's way too frustrating. I, it, it's pretty common to see people that have probably, like, done everything in 2e except for some stuff in grunty industries that's how common it is which is a shame it has one of the best boss fights in the game too with the big welding torch guy 
But, uh, hey, what you gonna do? Now we're at, like, great tier levels, in my opinion. These okay. are the ones that, like, I'm always happy to see. Uh, Rusty Bucket Bay. One of the hardest levels in Kazooie. Easily. Uh, that fucking engine room. With the spinning cogs. And the spinning everything. The propeller blades. Is so goddamn hard. But Rusty Bucket has so much to it. And it's uh, much like Grunny Industries. It has that same kind of aesthetic and satirical feel to it. But it's just executed better. And the music's fun. I like exploring all the different areas of the boat. Uh, that's just a solid level. Treasure Trove Cove's above that one. That's just like the most iconic Banjo-Kazooie level, I think. The beach with the boat and the shark that chases after you and tries to eat you. Uh, all the most memorable shit. Learning to fly for the first time. And that's like something that no one's, you know, thought to do until the 3D era of games. The flying in Banjo, I think, is preferable to the flying in Mario. Just because, uh, you gotta jump to achieve it. I mean, I guess you gotta find the pads to do it in Banjo. Yeah, and you still lose thing. feathers, but like, I don't know. For early 3D flight, it was neat to experience for the first time. Yeah, controls are garbage, though. It, 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 now it certainly does. God, it did not age well. <laughs> no. Above that, I got a Tui level, Jolly Rogers Lagoon. This is one of my favorite levels in Tui. It frustrated me as a kid, but like once I actually figured out like I was doing the whole fucking level wrong as an adult, uh, I, it began to really appeal to me. You have to do a lot to make the level good, but once you do, it's great. Because you have to make it so that the water is has infinite air as Mumbo. Then you can go underwater without losing air, and it's a giant, giant uh, mecca of shit underwater. There's giant octopuses, there's a giant anglerfish boss, there's temples and a, a, a pig in a shark cage that you have to save from getting eaten, and his name is Chris P. Bacon. You know, this is a great, <sighs> great level. <laughs> And, and the stuff on the surface is fun, too. You get all kinds of weird characters to interact with. Uh, above that, I got Bubble Gloop Swamp from Kazooie, which is uh, instantly a level I think of whenever I think of Kazooie. The giant alligator, the giant turtle, everything. What, what Kazooie has over Tui is landmarks and locations that you just instantly know where you're going to each area. Uh, it never needed warp pads. Tui needed warp pads, for all the prominent areas. Kazooie never had that problem. Because Kazooie had such good pacing in its level design. That it didn't have to uh, make things easier for you. Because it was confusing. And then I got the top five. These are the god tier levels in my opinion. These are the levels you want to play. When you play this game. All of them? Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, most of them are Kazooie levels. Are you surprised? What? <laughs> two of them are not uh hailfire peaks which is uh the water i'm sorry the fire and ice world in tui such a unique era design for a level it's two levels in one but you can make things in one area affect the other i like that they're interconnected i like how you have to take some stuff from the ice area to the fire area and vice versa and try and think about puzzles that way it's really a unique 
design. And I like how the themes are different. And it has paired bosses. There's a fire dragon and an ice dragon. Depending on which one you fight second, that one's harder. Uh, it's really neat in terms of that. I love that level. Uh, then Freezy Peak. Now, that's just an ice level, but it nails its concept way it's better. It's a great ice level in video games, I think. It might be the one best. It's one of them. Uh, I think something that Banjo did well is that it gives you that move where Kazooie walks for you and that makes you hug the ice better and have actual traction and control whereas most ice levels in other games including Mario 64 you just slip around everywhere and you can't do anything about it uh, it makes uh, Mario 64 interesting and challenging for sure and sliding down that mountain is fun but there's something about like you know knowing that you're going to fall if you just walk around as Banjo but then being able to walk as Kazooie that uh, makes that level a lot more fun to me uh oh yeah i love that there's evil asshead snowmans that try to murder you all the time and you can kill them but it might not be immediately obvious how you kill them you have to beak bomb them uh that's just a good level overall uh above that is click clock woods a lot of people's favorite level i have one that's above it but click clock woods is just genius it's the same level four times once for each season and then things you do in spring will affect stuff in summer, and then summer to fall, and then fall to winter, and that's how you solve all the puzzles in that area. Genius. Probably one of the best levels, in my personal opinion, in video games in general, just because that's such a unique design. The music is different in every area slightly. A lot of work went into that level. I appreciate it immensely. Oh, yeah. Uh, but above it, I have Mad Monster Mansion, just because that's the one I think of the most. Mad Monster Mansion got the best music. Uh, I love spooky shit. I like skeletons. I like ghosts. You like the spooky, scary skeletons? Uh, I do. There's lots of them. Uh, they go, meh, and they run at you. And you can't kill them by normal means because they just get back up. Got to use them gold feathers. Same with the ghosts. It makes for a challenging level, but there's so much stuff to look into and do. The mansion has so many rooms. Uh, and then there's surrounding areas like the church and all these little things to explore. Uh, to my little kid brain, it was just, like, amazing. There's yeah. an infinite amount of crap to go look into. And then you turn into a pumpkin. That's dope. And that's the best. That's my favorite thing in the game. When I was a kid, I thought it was bullshit. Because I was like, the pumpkin's the worst transformation because it can't do shit. That's why it's the best transformation. Yeah. It really limits what you can do. And you have to figure out how you get to the places you need to be as a pumpkin. Because it seems like it's impossible because you can't do anything as the pumpkin. It really limits you and it makes you think about how do I solve these puzzles in this game. And then my favorite level is actually from Tui. And that's Witchy World. This is my favorite level in all of these games. Witchy World is a masterpiece. I don't know. It's a theme park. But it's ran by Gruntilda. So it's uh, corporate and terrible. Uh <laughs> It's hilarious. There's uh, bad service. There's rides that kill you. And uh, it's divided into several sections. So there's like a little Wild West section. There's a little space section. There's a little horror section. And they all have different attractions and things that you can go look at and solve puzzles and collect things at. And there's just so much attention to detail and so much shit you can do that it's my favorite. And I like it. It combines all the things I like about Banjo-Kazooie levels into one. Variety in locale, 
variety in the music and how the music changes when you go to those different locales because like there's the main theme but then there's a wild west space and horror version of all those themes not to mention the classic like you know when you go underwater it's that changes the music and all that kind of stuff it has a good fun boss with the big giant inflatable dinosaur asshole um and all kinds of stuff to discover and all kinds of stuff to go back to and figure out later that's just my favorite now, 2E is just a worse game in general. Yeah. But I still love 2E, and I feel like this is the one that they designed most like a level from Banjo-Kazooie. Because it's still huge, but the way that they designed it isn't so huge that you get lost. You still know where you are at all times. You know that this area is the Wild West area, and that's like, okay, that means that over there is the horror area, and over there is the space area. It's divided in such a way that it's just like north, south, east, west, as opposed to, I don't know, there's a million doors, pick one, bitch. <laughs> it's, it's probably the, if they would have stuck to that kind of design for all the levels in 2E, I just think it would have been a better game in general. Okay. But uh, that's my favorite in the whole series. Love that level. And yeah, I just want to talk about that, because I talk about banjo all the time because i'm an idiot that's my like second favorite game of all time i think What's your favorite tony hawk's blue skater 2 hell no resident evil 4 tony hawk's underground 2 hell no tony hawk's downhill jam that should be no one's favorite game of all time uh tony hawk's throat fucker throat <laughs> <laughs> tony hawk's midlife crisis jam <laughs> let's go johnny hex money counter simulator chad muska's pro pizza delivery driver <laughs> you play as chad muska former pro skater but now he has to deliver pizzas because he hurt his back and he can't skateboard no more and the checks from activision went dry long ago so chad gotta deliver pizzas you gotta get to the, all the houses before time runs out Great. <laughs> I'm so glad. <laughs> Do you want to talk about anything else before we talk about uh, the governor of California? No, let's get into it. Hell yeah, dude. So, welcome to the section of this series that we're watching where... Where what, Jusby? Are you going to be negative this whole time? Yeah. Where, <laughs> where all of them Straight don't need up. to exist anymore. And, and now it just kind of feels trivial and pointless. Like, what's the point of this, of Terminator 3? Jusby, Jusby, you are right. You're not wrong. Terminator 3 is a movie that shouldn't exist, because Terminator 2 is the end of the franchise. Right. And I would probably be okay with Terminator 3 not existing, and Terminator 4 not existing, and Terminator 5 not existing, and the upcoming Terminator 6 not existing. Because 1 and 2 are all you need. However, I had a lot of fun watching 3. I did it at times. There are definitely, it's it's the worst so far, by a mile. But I had a lot of fun watching it. It's not nearly as terrible as something like a Halloween Resurrection, or even a Rocky Five, for that matter. It's an okay movie. It's just, it's just like, by existing, it undermines 2, and that's its biggest fault. Because 2 is still way superior to yeah, it in like, every way. This movie tries to tread some awkward ground. Where it's like, yeah, what if they stopped it, but it comes back? Yeah, what if they only postponed Judgment Day? But providing no explanation whatsoever as to why that would happen. 
Because that's that's what I want to know. Well, it happens because what they happened? decided to make a Terminator Three, Jusby. That's obvious. Yeah, but uh, not <laughs> that's not good enough for me, bud. That's not that's not good enough. I want some deets. So, uh, I don't have me. I don't have many details for you. Nobody, no, the movie doesn't know. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, Skynet's back. Why? To briefly go into why this movie exists, um. Money? Yeah. Uh, James Cameron, I, I think at one point, floated the idea that, like, oh, yeah, we're going to make Terminator 3 because I don't think he went into Terminator 2 knowing there was going to be a Terminator 3. I think he went into Terminator 2 looking to end the story established by Terminator 1. You know what I mean? Make a really good kick-ass sequel to a movie that he made in the past and end that franchise. Right. But then Terminator 2 made a fuckload of money. So obviously it was a hot commodity. Hotter than its predecessor even. So obviously people were like, Cameron, when you make it Terminator 3, you gotta make Terminator 3. And I don't think Cameron actually wanted to. No, probably not. Not at all. But he he obviously, you know, there was rumors and he was like, yeah, we're working on Terminator 3. We're figuring something out. But it, it kind of just went into development hell for years. Because when did Terminator 2 come out? I think uh, 1991 Terminator yeah. 2 comes out. Uh, this doesn't come out for over 10 years after that in 2003. Yeah. Uh, which is very noteworthy because... Boy, that's a that's a long gap between sequels. And the reason being is not only did that happen, but also the company that owned the Terminator uh, went under. And then there was a bidding war for the rights to the franchise, which uh, got split between uh, Gail Ann Hurd and uh, a company that bought the rights, C2 uh, Pictures or whatever. We saw their logo at the beginning of the film. Yeah. And uh, I think Gail Ann Hurd ended up selling them the rest of the rights, and then they made Terminator 3. And Cameron was uh, kind of against it, and I think Schwarzenegger was as well at first. Schwarzenegger was kind of like, yeah, I don't want to do it because Cameron's not involved. But then he talked to Cameron, and Cameron was like, the Terminator is as much of a important franchise to you as it is to me. Like, we own it as much. You know what I mean? That's kind of what he was saying to Arnold, because Arnold yeah. took the role and kind of made it his own thing. Yeah, it's kind of like it's most memorable for him, really. Yeah, that's a lot. Arnold Schwarzenegger's a lot of the reason why people talk about Terminator at all, anyway. Right. Uh, not that I'm not that it would be bad with somebody else in the role. I think Cameron and everyone else involved was talented enough to make something good. But Schwarzenegger made it iconic. Cameron told him he thought he should do it, because... You need at least someone in there who knows the history of the franchise to continue it off right. Right. Um, so Schwarzenegger eventually did agree. Uh, by the way, they also went to Linda, Ham- Linda Hamilton to ask if she could uh, reprise her role as Sarah Connor. And she said, uh, let me see a script first. And they gave her a script. And uh, in the script, Sarah Connor dies halfway through. And she was like, no thanks. <laughs> Uh, God damn. She she uh, went on to I don't have the quote in front of me, but she basically said that uh, she didn't want to be in a movie that like kind of like she felt that her character's arc was done in one and two, and that the story was done in one and two, and then continuing it felt kind of unnecessary, and she didn't want to be a part of that. Knowing what we saw, I could kind of empathize with her. Absolutely, can. for sure. Yeah, easy. So they made this movie anyway. Uh, 
interestingly, Schwarzenegger was about to uh, try to run for governor at the time and uh, postponed it so that he could be in Terminator 3 because they were paying him a lot of money. Shit, I'd do the same thing. And he wanted to do it anyway. Uh, He even, like, uh, started his race to run for governor because uh, if you remember the history of that, uh, the governor of California stepped down and they had to have a emergency election or whatever. And that's how Schwarzenegger got in in the first place because everybody and their mother was running for governor of California at the time. That was a wild one. Schwarzenegger was even uh, talking to people on set of Terminator 3. Like, that's where he had a lot of meetings and shit. (laughs) I like to imagine him in full Terminator makeup with, like, half a robot face wearing the the jacket and the sunglasses sitting down talking with senators and shit. (laughs) I would really like to imagine that. Talk about the climate. (laughs) That was one of his big uh, issues, wasn't it? Climate change. I, I kind of have sort of a respect for... I mean, he was still a Republican. Yeah. He, but he I have sort of a respect for Owen Schwarzenegger as a governor, he's one actually. Of the, he's a California Republican. That's yeah, what sure. those are. Yeah, I got you. I mean, I'm sure he didn't do... I mean, every 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 politician sucks in some way. Yeah, absolutely. Hard but uh, better than some. I'd take, a, I'd take a Schwarzenegger presidency. Let's go. President Terminator. Ooh. He can't be. No, that's probably here. a good thing. But you know, whatever. We're at the point where we're hiring uh, famous people for the job. So uh, who knows what can happen in the future? God damn it! Kanye West, twenty twenty. Let's go. Fuck. Go run the whole election. Shit. <laughs> Yeezy twenty twenty gonna run the whole election? Yeah. All right. So let's talk about this actual movie. Uh, did you see it when it came out? Yes. Me too. We, we, we discussed this, and it's interesting. Yeah, amazingly enough, we went and saw this when it came out at the same drive-in theater before we met. Didn't know who you were. No. Didn't give a shit. No. Better time in my life. No. <laughs> it, it was a wonderful era before I met Justin Cutlip. Oh, it was, it was just all good days. Didn't have a podcast. Didn't watch Terminator. Well, I did watch Terminator 3. Yeah, it's, it's already mm. ruined. But we determined that it was the same thing because it was paired with Bruce Almighty. And yours was as well. And that's weird. Yeah, it was Bruce Almighty first and then Terminator 3. I believe so. And yes. at the time, I was excited because, uh, I mean, like, I want to say 2003. I was 11. Yeah, so was I. So this is an R-rated movie. Oh, yeah. And my, my parents were like, yeah, we'll, fuck it. We'll see. You've seen Terminator 2. It's fine. Uh, I, I did not at the time. Oh, so, so Terminator uh, 3 was your first Terminator movie? Uh, Yes. But I had obviously seen parts of 1 and 2. But on TV, where it's a little edited down. Oh. Um. And those were those R-rated movies that, like, your parents didn't care about because it was just violent. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, didn't have a lot of sex in it. No, I had, like, none. Uh, the nudity was Arnold's ass, and it's, that's whatever. And the one um, girl's ass, three. Yeah, yeah that's, that's true. That's it, though. Well, in the first one, uh, you yeah. see Linda, ha- Linda Hamilton titty for a minute. Yeah, just but, for uh, the that's quick it. glimpse. And that awkward sex scene. I never, I didn't see the uh, first one back when I was younger, actually. I did not either. Took me a bit. I saw Terminator 2 first. Which is weird. Mm, that's not as weird as seeing three first. Before no, that's any of definitely them. much weirder. Uh, but that's the era that we lived in, man. You know, I think I have a similar story where I saw Jurassic Park three before 
maybe even one. But I want to say I've seen some of Jurassic Park 1 before 3. We'll get into that when we spin the wheel and hit Jurassic Park. I'm looking at it. It's on there. Maybe someday. Oh, we'll do it in like a couple weeks. Let's let's go. Someday. Uh, <laughs> what the hell happens in Terminator 3? All right, guys. So it's remember, a easy plot remember the end of Terminator 2? Yeah. When they were like, yes, Judgment Day over. Judgment Day is canceled, bitch. Well, John Connor was like, I don't believe it. So he started, he basically became a vagabond. And was just running around everywhere, a little gypsy boy. <laughs> and just staying off the grid and sleeping with nature and getting sleeping hit by deer. Bombs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was riding on a motorcycle going too fast. There is a too fucking thing. Too fast, dude. Hey, John. Hey, John. There's a reason why speed limits exist. There's also a reason why you look for deer at night, you idiot. He's a big dumb idiot, Jack. Mm, don't go 80 miles an hour. That's a recurring time. theme in this movie. He's a dumbass. But you know what? Consistent from from two. Fine. Yeah. I actually didn't mind John Connor in this movie. I remembered uh, some people complaining that he was once again annoying, but uh, he's all right. He's all right, I guess. Yeah. It wasn't wasn't the main problem with this movie. The main problem with this movie is that it exists. Basically. Right. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, uh, yeah. Not that entertaining. Not not nearly as entertaining as the Robert Patrick T-1000. Uh, I guess we'll get into that first, because she, she drops in pretty early in this movie. Like right the at the TX. Uh, it's a female Terminator who terminates Terminators. Basically. Uh, she is played by a supermodel. Uh, her name is Kristana Loken. No idea. Uh, I don't know. <sighs> Famous for uh, being a model and being in movies where uh, that is her primary function. Yeah, I see. So uh, I wonder why they cast her to be in this movie. Did whatever they wanted, I guess. <laughs> I mean, hey, like, you cast a bodybuilder as the first one, so I guess you that's cast probably, a supermodel as the, the that's next That's probably what one. they're going with. I don't even think, like, the problem with her character is her fault. I don't think she does necessarily a bad job, she but maybe it's like the a writing. Robot. Maybe it's the writing. Just think, I just don't think the character itself is very compelling. No, it's just like, it's just like, oh, what's the next Terminator? They got a better Terminator than the last better Terminator, I guess. Like, yeah, basically, that's it. I would have rather just had another Robert Patrick Terminator because I really liked that one. Like, we're going to keep seeing the Arnold Terminator forever, but then the other Terminators that they introduce are always going to be different, and there's no consistency with those. But I love the Robert Patrick one. He's goop. He's That's goop fun. She's and got with some better goop. effects, you can make the goop look funner. This, this uh, T-X... Has some uh, has some goop elements to her. It's it's like a better goop, <laughs> better stronger gooper. You know. It's all about that goop. Yeah. It's all about that goop. Big old metal goop magnets. Mhm. Mm Magnetic Mag goop. Magnets get her. Magnetic goop. How do they work? I don't know, but that's the end of the movie, Justin. We're at the beginning of the movie. Where, oh, yeah, uh, that's right. I'm sorry. I, where, I must be... Where she's naked and then go up to girl and goes, I like your car. Oh, I like your car. And, and then, then she takes take car. car. And then the cop pull her over and cop like, hey, what? 
And oh, you're forgetting. Like, you're forgetting something. Oh, and important. she looked at a billboard with big titties, and she's like, "I'm get big titty too." Ah, this is how you influence the men, which is correct. Uh, <laughs> especially that fucking cap. Yeah, a cap. Cop instantly looked at her titties and was like, "Ooh," but then she was like, "I like your gun." And this is uh, this is uh, Genhart nitpick number one. There will be a couple. I'm sure. Genhart nitpick number one. She takes the gun from this man after killing him, we assume, this cop. Why she need that gun? Because later we find out she has gun. She is gun! Her arm turned into fucking laser cannon. Does a lot more damage than a gun. Doesn't need that gun. Doesn't need it whatsoever. It's not like she's being stealthy. She fucking goes through a drive-thru and shoots the kid in the face. Not being stealthy. Don't need a, just a normal pistol. Yeah, the only thing, uh, the only reason why that was happening is so they could create something surprising later on. Oh, yeah. It's like, uh-oh, she has a fucking flamethrower hand. Uh-oh, gun hand. Whoa! Gun. <laughs> she is gun. Gun. So, and then, of course, Arnold drops down as well. And, uh, I liked this scene, actually. I'm not going to lie. Goes to another bar? Uh, he's... They mistake him for a stripper, I guess. Because uh, he goes strippy bar and he naked. Well, you know, yes. To be so naked, Arnold. Mm-hmm. And he goes up to the stage and they're playing Macho Man, and this dude's dancing in like a biker outfit. And uh, Arnold recognizes this as uh, the outfit he needs, probably because that's the iconic Schwarzenegger Terminator outfit. I guess. For plot reasons, it doesn't make sense, but for aesthetic reasons, it makes sense. And that's part of what this movie does most of the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, he's like, take off your clothes, and then the, the dude is like a gay stereotype. He's like, in a minute, honey. But then he's like, now, and makes him do it, and then he takes all the clothes and puts them on, and he's Biker Garnold, and it plays Macho Man. That part made me laugh. I was okay with that. I also liked when he put on the glasses the guy had, and they were these, like, Elton John star glasses. Yeah, and he was like, fuck these. And he was like, fuck these, and crunched them. And then put on the better sunglasses once he stole a car. Yeah, the part where he steals a car is upsetting for only, like, one particular reason to me. Why? They do this little teasy thing where, like, he opens up the the makeup mirror mm-hmm. to look for keys to fall out because, you know, the last Terminator was taught to do that. Yes, I got you. But then later on... This Terminator, the same Terminator also mentions that the their memory doesn't carry over like that. So how did he know that, because they all, they all just learn from regular human experience, so how did this new T-1000, this, this new T-100, I mean, whatever it is, the new Arnie, know where the fuck, how to pull that thing down and find keys? I think we could maybe assume that from what we know later with who programs him, that he could be programmed with certain things that she knows. Which could be stuff that, from what we know, John Connor told her. Okay. Uh, and therefore, he could be modeled more after that Terminator than that Terminator even was. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, even though not quite at all. Uh, either that or it's just a, a reference. I think he's more advanced than that one, despite being the same model. Seems like slightly uh, more he advanced, seems like... more capable and maybe more intelligent and more able to read humans. Uh more advanced overall 
I'd yeah. say. I'd um, say that, yeah. Not not but the same model, not not as good as the T one thousand or the T X. Ooh. Yeah. Maybe for the T triple X in the next Terminator <laughs> movie. Is it Vin Diesel? <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> it's a robot Please, Xander no. Cage. Oh god, the TX Xander Cage. Uh so Fuck anywho that. Where do we go from here? We got uh, Alright, so the TX is going around killing what who we what we eventually discover through the plot happening are future lieutenants in the war against the machines. Right. She's uh killing them off early because uh can't find John Connor, can't stop him, but maybe they can stop all the other people who helped him make it happen. One of these people is this woman who we're introduced to who's uh, getting married to her fiancé and her dad is a military guy. We'll get back to that later. Uh, she is a vet, gets called into her vet's office, and uh, guess who's there? John Connor. What? Stealing some dog pills what? because he crashed his bike like a dumbass. He's a fucking vagabond. Won't ask for help. <laughs> the goddamn gypsy hippie little pussy bitch boy. Go get help. Why do you go to vagabond? Help. Why is vagabond your go-to word? Somebody Justy? help him. Why is your vagabond your go-to word? I don't know. Why not? I don't know. I would think scumfuck. Don't tell me how to live my goddamn life. <laughs> John Connor is a scum fuck. It's right? true. Through most of this movie, he's a big scum fuck. <laughs> anyway. So, so he gets caught stealing pills, and then she, he aims a paintball gun at this poor vet girl. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she ain't having it. She gets the gun off him and shoots him with it. Yep. And her, it doing big, do, doing big hurt. Puts him in a cage. Puts him in a dog cage. Yep. Fuck Locks you, John up. Connor. Uh, not, not before we get a bit of a meat cute. Just a bit. Not a lot, just a bit. We met in uh, whatever that kid's name's basement was back in middle school. And we made out for, you know, blah, 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 blah. They're gonna, they're gonna be in love eventually. That's the setup. They gonna fuck! Probably, but not in this movie. I don't even think they kiss. It was actually restrained. No, uh, I liked that it was restrained because that can all happen later. I don't need to see that shit. It would feel a little too sudden if it happened in the fucking span of three hours anyway. I think that's how long this movie lasts. Is it going to happen in Terminator Genesis? Uh, no. I, I think Genesis is somewhat of a reboot. It might happen in Salvation. might have already happened in Salvation because Salvation's a time jump. Uh, we'll get into that when we watch it. I have never seen Salvation. I'm not looking forward neither to it. Neither have I. And neither is anyone who worked with Christian Bale. I cannot wait to talk about that. I cannot wait. Oh, boy. <laughs> I love stupid Hollywood drama. I love when people freak out and say stupid shit, and they're famous. So then I can just go, yeah, I could. Oh, you stupid. You stupid I bitch. feed off of it like a like a parasite. Because I'm a horrible human. Anyway. Parasite heart. (laughs) Shut up. Anyway. Terminator shows up. And then Terminator shows up. Right? Gonna do a big fighty fight. Mm Mm-hmm. And, uh, kidnap a girl. We should probably know who girl name is. (laughs) What's her name? Girl. Uh, Claire Danes. Girl. 
Claire Danes is the actress. Uh, what's Claire Danes? I, I've seen her in something before, right? She's a famous actress, right? She's been in Thing, right? She's been in a movie credited as Girl. Thank you. She's been in Romeo and Juliet and Les Mis in 98. Uh, she was somebody in Princess Mononoke, English dub. She made a lot of stuff. She's she's famous. You know, she's Homeland. That's the thing I see her in the most. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Definitely heard the name Claire Danes. Right. So, uh, that's, uh, John Connor's bish in yeah. this movie. Yeah, okay. Uh, Kate Brewster, which is an unfortunate name. Uh... And then uh, Nick Stahl is John Connor, who I want to talk about briefly. Uh, they wanted Edward Furlong back, because he would have been about the same age as the John Connor in this film. Yeah. But uh, allegedly, he was not asked to reprise his role because he had a substance abuse problem, Edward Furlong. Like most child actors. Oof. Uh, true, though. So they asked Nick Stahl, you know, in looking at his name, I was like, in looking at his face, I was like, what do I know this guy from? Other drug problems? No, Nick Stahl, not Edward Furlong. Another guy with drug problems? (laughs) No, not really. Uh, And he's been in a a couple things here and there, but you want to know the thing I recognized him from? And it's weird because he looks very different. He's in Sin City, Justin. As who? Do you want to hazard a guess who he is in Sin City, Justin? Who John Connor is in no, Sin City? No, hit me. He's that yellow bastard. The what? fucking pedophile rapist yellow man who Bruce Willis rips the fucking cock and balls off of oh. at the conclusion of Sin City. Holy shit. That's John Connor from Terminator 3. <laughs> I never, I didn't make that connection. Holy fuck! Uh, neither did I because it's it, that's a weird one to make. But I knew I recognized him from something, and that has to be it because I've haven't seen anything else that he's in, except for Terminator Three and that. Uh, that's quite a leap of character. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I would uh, say so. The only similarity is they're both kind of scummy, but in very different ways. It's you know they're at different positions on the, the, the chart of scum fuckery. Yeah, John uh, Connor's scummy because he, like, I don't know, doesn't know how to talk to people. Yeah. And also is uh, a little bitch. Yeah. There are different there are different points on the scumfuck political compass. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would say so, yeah. So the Terminator uh, basically kidnaps the both of them and saves them from uh, the TX. And then we get probably the best scene in the film, wouldn't you say? The big, long-ass chase sequence. Yeah, this is definitely the best scene in the whole movie. Great action in this movie, I have to admit. Big explosions. Um, It is a bit mindless, but it's very creative. I liked all the things that were happening with that big-ass crane truck and the fire truck and all these things happening. And lots of fun stuff happens. It's a very creative, very long action sequence. Uh... Kind of reminded me of some shit from, like, the Matrix Revolutions a yeah. bit. Uh, a similar chase segment in that movie involving trucks. Different. Same but, year, too, isn't it? Uh, it's at least close. I, I, You know what? You might you might be right. You might be right. I think they, they both came out in 2003. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was the year of truck action sequences, I guess. Huh. <laughs> but whatever. 
So, uh, long story short, they get away from the Terminator. There you go. They did it. Not before they cause hundreds of millions of dollars in collateral damage, but it will cease to matter and, soon. And good old Brewster, who this entire time they just have neglected to tell what the fuck is going on. Yeah, she's on. just like, ah, let me go. And then like Arnold's like, I can't do that. Shut up. <laughs> and by the way, at no point in this movie do they actually do any good job at, to, at explaining to her what the fuck is going on. No, not really. Not uh, at all. Well, she has no reason to believe it. Yeah. At several points, so John's like, "Yeah, I'm a, I'm gonna save the world in the future." She's like, "Mm-hmm." mm-hmm. She's fully sure. convinced at this point, like that she is legitimately being kidnapped and being fucked with. Yeah. And yeah. She has no clue. Mm-hmm. At any point, they could have just like done easy stuff to prove to her. <laughs> Been like, "Yeah, like remember in Terminator 2? when like, oh yeah, he just rips his arm skin off. Yeah, to yeah, show that. Them? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do that. Mm-hmm. Like, look, that's a machine. Yeah. Well, we'd eventually have the scene where she shoots him in the face, and then she realizes... What a dumb way he's to... just like, don't do that. That's funny. <laughs> but, uh... I-, I think Arnold, in general, is just great in this movie. Oh, he's, yeah, he's uh, fantastic. He kills it. He's great, as always. Uh, you know, you know what you're gonna get when you watch a movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger to a certain extent? But, uh, it's always nice when he enhances a movie instead of just, like, is there. Uh, I always appreciate that. Uh, so, yeah, they, they uh, they stop at a at a gas station. And this is one of my favorite scenes, too, because, uh, the, the Arnold just goes in and just steals a bunch of shit. <laughs> he just grabs, like, a million Ike and, Mike and Ikes and a bunch of fucking monsters and just fucking hits the road, Jack. Uh... Kate breaks out for a second, and they just throw her back in, and the dude calls the cops on him, as you would. We find out their destination is a uh, cemetery, and this is where uh, Sarah Connor is buried. as uh, where we find out that Sarah Connor is dead. She uh, died from leukemia. Big rippy, because they had to write her out of the movie somehow. It's really dark, because... Uh, John alludes to the fact that she worked to hold on to life so that she, like, knew that the world wasn't going to end. And then she died. And it's just going to end And then apparently the world is going to end anyway because uh, we find out that the Terminator is here because Judgment Day is inevitable. Judgment Day is going to happen today. And uh, he is here to make sure John and Kate do not die before they can become the revolutionaries in the future war. Uh, especially because there's another Terminator on the loose looking to kill their asses. Uh, the girl Terminator isn't there to kill John in the first place, by the way. She just stumbles upon John while looking for Kate, who stumbles upon John, and then that becomes her prime directive for the rest of the movie. Like, that supersedes her other mission yeah. to kill all the revolutionaries. But anyway, Sarah Connor is not buried here, it turns out. Arnold pulls out the fucking coffin, much to john connor's dismay but uh then he opens it and it just has a shitload of guns in it so many guns all the guns uh which is on brand for sarah connor at least they did that part right um the cops show up and uh shortly thereafter i believe the girl terminator uh who has taken the identity and killed of uh kate's uh fiance yeah. Nitpick number two coming up here. Here we up go. Here. here it is. Good. Lay it on this me. This is the big one. 
Lay, lay it the fuck Not on Not the me. big one, really. I mean, the big nitpick is making a third Terminator movie. Well, yeah. But I'm going to bitch about this one a little bit here. So uh, you got a coffin full of guns filled to the brim with guns. I don't know how big, how much shit you could fit in a coffin, but like, let's say you put a, there's a dead body in a coffin and a coffin is fucking full, right? Would you agree, Justin? The coffin's full with one fucking person in it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Now, let's say you put a shitload of guns in it. How many guns do you think were in that coffin we saw in this movie? Probably about 20, 25 guns. 20 or 25 guns and a lot of ammo. It was filled to the brim. It didn't look like there was any other room in there, basically, is what I'm saying. So, you got, like, a person and a shitload of guns. You can't fit both in the coffin. Physically impossible. And yet, in this scene coming up here, as the cops are attacking, the Terminator comes out holding the coffin and shoots the shit out of a bunch of cop cars, puts the coffin in the back of a hearse, and out comes John Connor, who's been in the coffin the whole time hiding from the gunfire. And all the guns are in there too. Connor fit in the coffin with all the guns, on top of all the guns. Fit. Snug. Yeah. Impossible. Bullshit. Not to I mention call bullshit. all the bullets going through this coffin. Yeah. Not igniting any of that other gunpowder. Not killing John Connor. Not getting, like, you know, through and hitting him, nicking him or anything. Right. There's a lot of gunfire here. Too Hitting much. the Terminator a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Hitting the car a lot, too. But apparently that's fine as they drive away. I'm, I'm just saying I need some realism in my movie Terminator 3 Rise of the Machines, Jusby. Come on, man. Stupid. How are you yeah. going to not be realistic? Fucking idiots. <laughs> I do N- like the pick over. <laughs> anyway. I do like the I do like the little scene there where Arnold like spins around with the coffin on one hand and then with the gun in the other and starts just shooting all the cop cars. Good action. That was just fun. they didn't think about certain things no. like that. They just they, they they wrote themselves into a corner. They knew John Connor was just going to get shot to fucking shit if he came walking out of there, so the Terminator has to have him in the coffin. But they already established that the coffin has all these guns that they fucking need in it. It's just bad writing. Plot hole. Good job. So, uh, whatever. Uh, Kate escaped and ran away after shooting the Terminator in the face and seeing that he's a, a robot. But then the other Terminator shows up. And they, uh, have to go rescue her, right? Yeah. So they do. Because that's part of his prime directive is to save John Connor and Kate. Uh, how do they rescue her? I, I'm kind of fuzzy on this point. What do they do, Justin? Oh, Where does she go? She's still there. Okay, they just go back and get her. It's like in a cemetery, I think. Yeah. Well, like they were in like a tomb, so it's yeah. in the breast of the cemetery. She's yeah, just, they, like, just, they just hit her with a. They just hit the Terminator with a car. That's right. That's right. The Terminator pops is like, "Oh, it's me, your fiance." Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. and then she's like, "Oh, look, it's my fiance," and then it's not. Yes, she's about that's to right. shoot her, and then. Yeah. And Arnie just hits hits her with the fucking car. Did that have one of those weird slow-mo moments that was uh, happening yeah. a lot in this movie? Uh-huh, sure did. What the hell was up with those? It was like a weird... wasn't a slow-down enough frame rate. It looked awkward. Yeah. I don't like it. I don't know what the hell it was. Weird stylistic choice. Uh, the director on this thing uh, ha- has not done a whole lot else ever. He was famous for some other action movies before this came out, and that's why they hired the man, Jonathan Mostow. Uh, but, uh, in what seems to be a pattern 
for our program. If you're not already a famous director and you're directing a movie that Gen and Jub watch, you probably didn't do a whole lot else. No. Halloween 5 guy? What happened to that guy? Dead. Halloween 6 guy? Who knows? Dead. Halloween alien... I'm sorry. Alien resurrection guy? Dead. <laughs> well, he's not dead, but... Dead. <laughs> they can't all be dead. What if some of them are dead? Do you feel bad now? Dead. They're dead. Jesus, man. So are you. What the fuck? So am I. Is that why we're doomed to watch Terminator films? Yeah, because we died, bud. This uh, is hell. Dun, Welcome dun, to hell. Dun, dun, dun. Truly, this is Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Damn. Yeah, in hell. In hell. In hell. We're in hell. Truly, the machines have we, won. We, we got past Terminator 2. Now we're in hell. Terminator 3. Terminator yeah. 3. It's, 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 the first, it's the first layer of hell. Okay. You but peel then back it gets that worse onion. progressively next week and the next week after that. Right. <sighs> Can't wait for Genesis. Oh, my God. Anyway, what happens next in the movie so that, that we're that They figured watching? out, oh, man, her father's a, a goddamn target, and he's about to get killed. He is military man in charge of the AI that is going to do the Judgment Day. Also the only person who can stop good old Skynet from being activated. Yep. And so at first, the Terminator don't want it to go, and he's like, this is my mission to protect you guys. I gotta get you to safety. That's it. John Connor's like, I order you to do it. And he's like, you did not give me orders. You did not program me. But then we find out the girl did. Yep, good old Brewster did. did. Yep, so he has to listen to Kate. Which is fun. And she makes him go. Yep. Because mm-hmm. obviously she wants to see her daddy. We also get some Lori here. as uh, She asks... What happened, uh, to, uh, a couple questions here, because, uh, it turns out that, uh, this Terminator was, uh, obviously on the bad side at first. Yep. And it was programmed to kill John Connor. And it succeeded. And it fucking did in the future. Yes. Uh, he was selected because he was the same model as the one that, uh, John Connor hung out with as a boy. The robot dad, as it were. Could you imagine if you had a robot dad and then your robot dad robot kills you? Man, that would be a trip. Anyway. (laughs) It's really stupid to say out loud, isn't it? The plot of these films. Huh. (sighs) Yeah. And so that revelation happens, and then they make some kind of dumb, witty joke about uh, about not thinking about existential death. And then they get get to the U.S. military base, where the Air Force base, where Cyberdyne is... Well, not Cyberdyne, sorry. Where Skynet is about to go live. Yes. Courtesy of the Air Force this time. And and courtesy of Chris Hardwick. Yeah, who was in this movie briefly and uh, is very uncomfortable <laughs> now with, 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 with modern context. Yeah, he showed up briefly in uh, Halloween 2. Yes. Rob Zombie Halloween 2. Yes. Is he just going to keep crawling up into our movies as God, we I watch ho- them? I hope not. I don't know what else he could possibly show up I don't know, I'd like him point. to go away, though. <laughs> I know it's in the past, but like I'd like him to go away. Uh, you know. I'd go away from the past too. Like, <laughs> you can't erase someone. From leave, all t- leave me the fuck alone. You can't Chris erase Hardwick. someone from all. T- well, wait. I guess we, we hire a Terminator. That's how you do it. No. We should kill Chris Hardwick. <laughs> Terminated. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Goodbye. Don't kill Chris Hardwick. No, please don't not, actually kill him. That's, just, that's too far. Just make sure he doesn't have a career ever again. I'd appreciate that. Just, yeah, that Look, one. just wait that for one. Walking Dead to die in, like, a couple years, and you'll be good. Oh, God, I hope so. Sooner, <laughs> sooner rather than later, please. 
Gonna talk about that in a couple weeks, whenever the Fear the Walking Dead season ends. Oh, boy. Uh, my my assessment at the moment... Not good? Eh. Yeah. Eh. <laughs> eh. Oh, God. I'm not surprised, though. Anyway. Speaking of... Uh... I've been saying anyway a lot, because it's easy to get off track, because we're talking about Terminator 3. Yeah. Which I did not hate, but I did not love... It's just an, a pointless movie. I just, I almost, I almost liked it. I tried hard. I get, I can't to like it. I can't. I do like parts. Yeah, sure, but it's not a bad movie. Yeah. by any stretch of the imagination. So let's go through the rest of the plot here. The rest of it is fairly simple. Skynet gets activated anyway, right? Yeah, because uh, I think maybe they don't really say this for sure, but there's a computer virus happening. Do you think that is a result of the TX herself? Yes. Okay, so is this another time paradox? She's, yeah, she sets it, she sets... She sets the Judgment Day into motion? Yes. Okay, but she's from the future. Yes. Okay. That, it's time paradoxy again. This is what this series does. Yeah, it it's kind of doesn't make sense. It, 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 it time uses... travel stuff is wonky, you know? It's hard to do no matter what you do. There's even wonky time travel I stuff in, in Avengers... Which is apparently it's the closest thing to nailing that. It's so, the closest thing to nailing it with no strings attached because the stuff that you fuck with in the past does not affect your future. Yeah. Which I think is a lot cleaner of a way to do that as opposed to this, where clearly going to the past and fucking with it affects the future. Yeah. In fact, it has to for the future to even happen. Right. Multiple times. Like, Kyle Reese has to go back. To fuck Sarah Connor to make John Connor. Yes. But he doesn't know that. Right. But that's crazy. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Like, what? <laughs> time paradoxy is stupid. There's and... too many of them, yeah. That's why fucking and, like, time the, is a plot The Terminator has to go back for them to find the Terminator arm, for them to start experimenting on the Terminator arm to make the fucking technology that causes Judgment Day. Yes. Eventually. Yes. But then the Terminator has the Terminator X has to come back to upload the virus that makes Judgment Day happen. This it all is wonky and it only gets worse from here as we go into four and five. Yeah, it's gonna get much worse. And there's a reason why they're rebooting it. So Brewster Dad get killed. Oh yeah, and so does a lot of fucking corporate bitches. Uh <laughs> robots yeah. just killing. Yeah, the killing robots them, come up, the, the TX puts all the robots to life. Mm -hmm. Skynet gets activated and Judgment Day begins. Robots start going around and just killing a bunch of humans and it gets bad. So they get to, to Kate Dad and uh, he's like, you gotta go to this place and put in the codes. And that's where you go to stop it. And they're like, okay. And, and they get they ready to go. And get then, on a plane and go. And then uh, Arnie gets fucked up by the TX because of course he does that. Great fight though. Yeah, really Slamming against a billion fucking bathroom stalls. Yeah, they're just... Dunking her goddamn head in the toilet. Yeah, they're all just fucking <laughs> each other up. It was really good. How do you terminate a Terminator? Flush her down the goddamn commode. Well, it didn't work. <laughs> I mean, it should have. Come on, man. That's how you defeat any, you know, evil robot. Flush them down the, down the toilet. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Arnie loses and gets well, basically killed. Well, as is expected, because he's like, you know, this is like a... This is like a fucking Nokia N-Gage fighting a Nintendo Switch, you know? Like, it's right. kind of like that, you know? Yeah. That's probably a better example, I could say. Yeah, I mean, Nokia N-Gage has no redeemable qualities. Yeah. 
It's like it's like a it's like a Game Boy Micro versus a Game Boy Advance SP. What's the most recent iPhone? Are we on ten? Yeah, ten R. Okay, it's so it's like one. it's like a it's like a BlackBerry fighting an iPhone ten. Sure. That be- that work better? Yeah, I'll, I'll take it. I'll yeah. take it. I'll take All it. All right. So Arnie loses pretty convincingly, and then looks like the TX doesn't even take a scratch. Nah, she's after getting fine. thrown out of all this shit. In fact, she even reprograms him as he starts to come back, and uh, now his prime directive is to kill John Connor. Oops. Uh oh. In so the meantime, yeah, we have good old John Connor and Kate Brewster, Brubster. Give running, me a brewski, bruh. Run, running to get the fuck out of there. The TX catches up to them, and then they uh, use fucking magnets, bitch, to slow her down. Yeah! They listen to ICP. They figured it out. Use the magnets. They're fucking miracles. Bro. And it gives them the miracle of time. <laughs> Buys them some. They're able to get away. They're able to get to the plane. Yeah, they're able to get to the chopper. Mm-hmm. And Not not the chopper. It was just a plane. It's just, right. a, it's just plane. a seaplane. Yeah. I know why you want to say that, though. Get to the chopper! What? Do it! <laughs> Do it! Oh, man. See, so, Arnold's quotes, Snagger quotes, man. Yeah. Gotta get that soundboard from the late 90s where oh, you prank dude. call people. I want them to ask you a bunch of questions, and I want them answered immediately. Who is your daddy, and what does he do? I'm doing a really bad Arnold impression on yeah, purpose. Yeah, Don't yeah. think this is actually my Arnold impersonation. Although that isn't also that's also not good. Well, yeah, it's hard. It's actually pretty hard to impersonate him. What's your best Arnold? Oh God, I don't know. Um, Try it out. That's what the fuck was that? It's him getting shot. <laughs> See, that's pretty alright, right? He yeah. makes them kind of noises, right? Negative. <laughs> This is just going to devolve into, like, how we were making fun of Stallone impressions, and we were doing it bad, like, Hey, I'm Rocky! Should just do that, to be honest. <laughs> hey, I'm Arnie! Hey, hasta la vista, baby! <laughs> <laughs> That's the Terminator. My prime directive is to make sure John Connor lives. <laughs> just pulls up. Talk to the hand! God. Be great. Fuck. Rewrite the film. Make it with this. Good movie now. So we have a scene where, where Arnie shows up and uh, tries to kill John Connor, but he, like, talks him into fighting the They're virus. They're able to convince him not to. Which is weird. Somehow. Uh, it's, it's done in an interesting enough way that I kind of liked it, though. Because... It's, it's like his initial directive interferes with his new directive right because they directly contradict each other so basically Connor so he kind of just actually him. like blue screens yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> and shuts down connor like convinces him that he is going to fail his primary directive if he follows through with this and Arnold's like shit you right and then just <laughs> shuts himself down by beating time. the fuck out of a car like it's Street Fighter 2 over What doesn't make sense after that is somehow he just beats it, which I don't understand. Yeah, somehow he's able to reboot after that point. He should be dead at that point. Right. But he needs to come back because he's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right. Which is fine. He's just saying, I'm back. Uh, mm -hmm. (laughs) mm-hmm. As he does all the time. (laughs) Right. There's a couple lines you gotta say in every Terminator movie, despite the fact of uh, whether you should or not, which is, I'll be back, or I'm back, or... 
come with me if you want to live or some variation thereof. Right. That's in all of them, despite whether it matters or not. Remember? Remember the first Terminator where they said those things? Gotta keep saying them. Or else people won't even know it's a Terminator movie. Yeah, I can't you tell know? by the title in the machines. Nope. No, that's not enough. You gotta have you gotta have Daenerys from Game of Thrones yell, "Come with me if you want to live." That way, you know that this is like that thing that your dad said was a good movie, and you watched it on cable that one time. Better go see it. Give him eight dollars. Yeah. Come on, kids. Come on, a new Terminator movie. Come on. I want the I want film corporations to milk my money udders. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go to the movies and watch Terminator Nine. Don't ask questions about product. Just consume product. <laughs> Take me for all I'm worth, Daddy. <laughs> Milk me dry, Papa Cameron. Ooh, Avatar 5, yeah. Oh, I want to fund your new submarine adventures, Daddy. Fuck Make yeah, Make five more Avatar movies. I'll go see each one ten times. I, I really love being milked out of my cash by corporations. I'll sell my dick for two Avatar tickets. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. Avatar 2 is going to be the shit. My God, somebody please give me money to go see Avatar 2. I will solicit sex. All right, Josby, I got to make a correction. Avatar 2 is going to be shit. Oh, yeah. But I... Avatar 3, though, Avatar 3 is going to be the goddamn fucking shit. I... Not shit, but the shit. I, Key I... difference. Hard disagree. <laughs> Oh, Avatar 3 is going to be the shitty one, but 2 is going to no, be the no. good one? All of them. Oh, they're all going to be bad? Yeah. Just be, are you actually actually telling me <laughs> that James Cameron is going to make four shitty films in a row? Yes. I believe it. Because <laughs> uh, it's Avatar. Because it's Avatar. What's he going to do? Why is he doing this? Can we talk about not milking money udders and just like, finish out this Terminator shit? Yes, All this but what's is... more entertaining? <laughs> right. So I'm gonna go through this real quick because there's not much left. No, we're at the end. They get to this. La they get to this. Uh, this what's supposed to be the. It's core. a nuclear fallout bunker for presidents right. and VIPs. So they figure that out after the TX shows up and Arnie shows up, says I'm back, and stops her, and blows her up. Mm-hmm. With uh, the previously established uh, big old bomb cells that he has inside of him, right? Right. Yes. Okay. And so they get in there and they're like, "Oh my God, this isn't the core. This is a bunker." Yeah, we're not we're not stopping Judgment Day. We're just waiting it out, which is what we didn't want to do, but here we are, and it's happening, and it happens, and we watch it happen. Yeah, we see the bombs go off, and then we, we see have the nukes. Happen. A bunch of people going like, "Oh, who's in charge there?" He's like, "In me, John Connie." <laughs> and then it ends with uh, no hope. Which I'm okay, I'm okay with those kind of endings. It's just like what this movie dark, exist? but like if you're gonna make a sequel to Terminator Two, I guess you have to make it dark because you have to directly contradict the ending of Terminator Two. Yeah, you have to make which it so is, Judgment which Day is, happens. Which is bittersweet but not dark. It's not a it's not billions dying, which is like what this is. Which uh I mean I appreciate the balls they had to do that. To just go like fuck it, Judgment Day happens. That's kinda interesting. But it's not interesting when it's the unnecessary sequel to the movie where Judgment Day is stopped. Do you know what I mean? It feels unearned. Yeah, it's very much unearned. It, it, it's with no explanation to back it up. That's the part that yeah, really gets me. There's no explanation for why they only postponed Judgment Day and didn't just stop it. Like, when did they start making more Terminator shit out of nowhere? Yeah, there's no explanation nope. whatsoever. And that that's what gets me. Is that 
that I think it's the biggest crime of this film is that at no point do they explain themselves. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to fuck up the best movie in this franchise and kind of take a little piss on it, at least explain why you're taking a piss on it. Yeah, or I would Or how agree. the piss got taken. Mm-hmm. And none of that happened. So it just felt uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's like, and you're, you're sitting there the entire time watching this movie, following straight after Terminator 2, just going like, why does this exist? And there's no good answer because the movie doesn't give you one. Nope. So you're just stuck. And that's what these next two are going to feel like as well. Now, I haven't seen them. I, I, I knew what I was getting into with Terminator 3, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, but I'm gonna have to conclude, sight unseen, that Terminator 3 is better than 4 and 5. This will probably be a different discussion in the coming weeks. We'll probably be wishing it was Terminator 3. Right. But, <laughs> but who knows? I've never seen Salvation. I haven't either. Uh, I like Christian Bale an awful lot. He's a great actor. I love him. He dedicates his entire fucking existence to roles. But, as we know, there were problems on set. And it probably had a very shaky production. Yep. Uh, and I can't, I can't imagine Genesis was much better, or probably a lot worse. Because that movie got seen by, like, three or four people, I think. I think that's the numbers on that. But whatever. Yeah. I just think Terminator's a franchise that, like, needs to be done. For me to be satisfied with it and that's something i don't say a whole lot like some i'm usually hype for like you know hey marvel's gonna make movies until i die until we are both dead until yeah. our children are dead right until our grandchildren are dead yes probably yeah. you know what i mean uh-huh. marvel gonna run all these characters into the goddamn ground but i think i'll be excited to watch spider-man movies for the rest of my life because there's a lot of ways you can approach that character and a lot of different interpretations of it Terminator? I don't know. I think you just got one and two and you're done. It's not a franchise. It doesn't have to be. It's a two-part film series. And then it's done, right? Yeah. Because it's like, what else is there to go into? Absolutely. There's not a giant cast of characters. There's John Connor. There's Sarah Connor. There's the good Terminator and there's the bad Terminator. That's That's it. it. That's all you need. As soon as you start expanding it, it gets fucking stupid. Yeah, but that's what's happening. And like every franchise, you know, hey. But whatever. We'll see how it goes next week. Yeah, we'll find out. Terminator Salvation. Until then, just uh, get on your knees and beg James Cameron to milk your money udders. Oh, yeah, James. Give me Avatar 6. Why are you stopping at 5, you trash? <laughs>